Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Cecilia, content producer at the Webby Awards. The Lovey Awards, which recognizes the best of the European internet and is presented by the Webbies, is coming up on its early entry deadline, Friday, June 24th. If you're producing great work in Europe or for a European audience, then enter your work across websites, podcasts, social, apps, mobile and voice, advertising, video, and new this year, Web3 NFTs and the Metaverse at loveyawards.com. From the Webby Awards, I'm David Michelle Davies. This is the Webby Podcast. How am I on time? Oh, shit. The internet must be stopped. How about that fucking chicken? Supreme Court, eat my shorts. Hey there, and welcome back. I'm so excited to introduce our next guest, 26th Annual Webby Awards Best Actor winner, Adam Scott. Adam was recognized for his leading role in the Apple TV Plus show, Severance. If you haven't watched Severance, then you have quite the incredible show waiting for you. The plot follows Adam Scott's character, Mark, an employee of Lumen Industries who agrees to a severance program in which his non-work memories are separated from his work memories and his gradual discovery of what is really happening at Lumen and in his life. It's an incredible performance in a show that is absolutely riveting. You could probably talk for hours about just the art direction alone, but there's so much more to it, including the direction by Ben Stiller and performances by Britt Lauer, Rosanna Arquette, and even John Turturro. In addition to a long career in acting, Adam is also a podcasting pioneer, launching You Talking You Too to Me with friend Scott Ackerman in 2014. So we get into that, his love of U2 and R.E.M. and music in general as well. But first, we start with something very important, debunking all those Instagram rumors out there about how much Ben Stiller really likes ice cream. I heard this thing, which I don't know if it was like from someone who was talking to Ben at our show or if it came from you, but essentially that Ben agreed to present the Webby to you, but only if you gave him a Baskin Robbins gift card. Yeah, that was. Is that, that actually was, true? Uh, you know, ben, the thing about Ben is he's he's nuts about ice cream he just he loves an ice cream and particularly a chocolate malt okay if you need anything you just wave a chocolate malt under his nose and he'll follow you anywhere uh no that's i just made that up i I think on um instagram or something (laughs) oh that's what it was okay and i i think people thought i was sponsored by baskin i just thought it sounded funny but it ended up being just stupid and people thought i was like plugging baskin raw it was just dumb so i probably should have come up with something funnier and better well it's one of those things where it's just like specific enough that it feels probably true right right yeah 
Were you a big basket? Not to take it too far, but were you a big Baskin Robbins person no. as a kid? No, no not even. <laughs> no. I thought we were going to bond over like quarterback crunch or something. No, I I like. Um, I actually do love uh, chocolate malt. That's if if anyone's ever going and getting ice cream, that's what I always order. And it's it's actually hard to find. You know, a lot of places don't have malt anymore. It's yeah, delicious. It's kind of like a, yeah, it's a it's like a boulder shake kind of thing. The malt. Yeah, I don't know what where I. Where did you? Where did you? Like, where did you grow up? I grew up in Santa Cruz, California. Oh, okay. Um, so maybe from my grandma or my mom or my dad or something, because it is sort of an old-fashioned thing. But when you add malt flavoring to like a chocolate milkshake, it's yeah, it's a home run as far as I'm concerned. Is Ben really like ice cream, or did you make that up too? I also made that up, but I, you know what? Maybe he might. He, he might. I actually we'll never, out. never asked him. Well, let's talk about the show. Um, I, you know, I've seen you in a lot of stuff. I, I can't claim to be like having seen you in everything, so I don't. I don't want to say that like, you know, this is like it, it feels different than most of the roles that I've seen you in. Um, uh-huh. may, maybe I've missed other ones that are more similar. So, but um, it's 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 also just a really unique role in a u- really unique show. I mean, what was it like to, you know, tell me a bit about what it was like to take on that role. I, it just seems like, you know, on some level you're acting two different roles and you're trying to marry these two different things that are disconnected. What, give, give me a little bit of a sense of how you approached it. Yeah, it was, um, it was a, a bit of a puzzle to work out both, both um, what it, what it was and what it ended up being, but also just how to approach it, you know? Um, and we ended up having this long break, but we were about to start shooting and then pandemic happened. So we had this six month uh, break before we started shooting where we, you know, the scripts, they actually worked on the scripts quite a bit. And, and I had more time to just think about um, Mark, the role and, and the two different um, versions of Mark that we're seeing, because it, it, it really is the same person. Um, it's just two different uh, halves almost of, of the same person, just in, kind of in the same way that you act differently when you're with your mother than when you are with your group of friends. They're just like separate kind of behavior models that you sort of slide into. Um, these ones happen to not be aware of one another or know anything about the right. other one. Um, but I, I, you, after, you know, kind of going around and uh, around and around and kind of thinking about, you know, do I want this to, cause you know, the kind of knee jerk for any actor would be to like make them vastly different and have all these different things. But it, we, what we landed on was, and it was important to, Ben and, and uh, Dan Erickson who created the show and me is that they they should feel like the same guy, but just feel like different parts of the same guy. And um, one is like, you know, has had 40 odd years of life experience and joy and sorrow and all the stuff that goes into this full life. And the other one is for all intents and purposes, like two and a half years old. Um, so it was a matter of 
it ended up being sort of a a math problem in a way because we sometimes we'd be going back and forth because we shot the whole season at once so you know in the morning we might be doing a scene from episode two and in the afternoon dipping into episode seven or something you know and going from innie to Audi. and so it became sort of this math problem of one of them just has all of this experience and the other one is a bit of a sieve uh, to a certain extent um that's overly simplistic but that's sort of like um what it became in each one again they're like the same guy pretty much but they each are on a different arc over the course of the season so it was also a matter of knowing exactly where that was but then also kind of the things they share and the, the ways they affect one another sort of physiologically for lack of a better word they have feelings that they share it's just if there's a feeling that sort of originates inside or outside and you bring it in or bring it out with you, the other one does feel it and share it. They just don't know what it is or how to name it. It's just a feeling that sort of kind of like when you wake up in the morning and, and you're just like, wow, I must have had weird dreams. I feel strange, you know, just sort of that kind of feeling. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I was thinking as while watching it was the the relationship of all the other people and how they impact your feelings or your experience and how even though part of it a big part of it is that he doesn't have these memories in each of these different places but he's also doesn't have these memories and he's with di- like a different he's in a different world in each in each place and and the, so there is that similarity in somehow in how he was reacting it seemed like in some ways but in other ways it was also some sometimes the the reactions and the you you know your role seem driven by the other characters around them around him a lot if that makes sense yeah i think um i think in uh in both the any world and the audi world the story begins when there's someone that enters mark's life that kind of knocks him off balance and and starts him on a trajectory he didn't want or anticipate um but you know it's like telling someone not to think of an elephant both of these characters come in and expose something to him that he he can't uh unthink or undo and so he has to try as he might particularly on the outside and on the inside to kind of bury it away he ends up having to follow these breadcrumbs and think of the elephant <laughs> um and and see it to its uh conclusion i mean it's um it, you know it's really the role your role you're acting in is really resonating the show is really resonating with people you know i would say it's um it's one of those things that people really like to talk about uh oh cool That's... yeah why i mean do you I, I know that you're, we'll talk about a little bit later. I know that you have the experience of also being a fan of, of music. And so I would imagine you must have some relationship in thinking about how fans perceive things based on sort of your, you know, the, uh, being on the other side of it. Um, you know, have you, have you ex- experienced or felt that sort of resonance overall of the role in sort of pop culture and how people are relating to it? I have. And you know, it's a really special feeling. I, I'll be honest. Um, 
being on something that that's resonating. Um, I've, you know, been in lots of stuff and I've been in lots of stuff that kind of has a slow burn and eventually kind of gathers a fan base or people that really appreciate it and like it. And, but something like this that really kind of hits and um, people really connect with it right away. And also over the was it seven weeks it, it was on, um, eight weeks, seven weeks, something like that, over those couple months, it did build, but kind of right out of the gate, people were really intrigued by it. Um, and like you said, chatting about it, and it was a brand new experience for me to uh, to be a part of something that that I just felt like um, like people were 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 watching, and and I also kind of was like, wow. I guess I've really never been in anything that that people were were watching because I'm now hearing from from people in the way that you do when you're in something that that resonates or a quote unquote hit. Um, and I just hadn't. I mean, Big Little Eyes had a similar yeah. um, reaction when when that started. Uh, I was like, "Whoa, this is crazy!" But I was, you know, much more on the periphery of that. Was still feeling it and seeing it and kind of really kind of marveling at it. But this was a bit more, uh, it, I, I, I feel like I felt it a, a bit more. I was just more a part of it, I guess. It also feels, tell me if you agree or, or not, it feels like a type of show and a work that is somehow made possible by the internet in that, you know, it would, I don't think, I don't think it would have really been on like sort of what we would have called like traditional TV in the past. You know, it's like mm -hmm. sort of too different right. or too unique. And so at, and at the same time, maybe it could have been a film, but it's, you know, the eight hour film, you know, that probably that there weren't a lot of those. Um, and so it feels like, some, you know, there's a lot of shows that are on streaming services on Apple that, you know, you could imagine on TV 10 years ago or something, but there are also a lot of shows that, you know, it's sort of are like a product of or or like exists because, you know, there was a there's enough audience all across the world and it's different and unique um, to really to really give people and creative people the opportunity to go out and develop those shows, you know, that maybe they didn't have 10 years ago or that wouldn't have gotten mm -hmm. bought 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, while we were making it, um, you know, it's a the show is a big swing. Uh, yeah. And, you know, while we're making it, we, you know, we're figuring it out as, as we go. And that's one of the great things about working with Ben is he's experimenting and bringing us right along with him. And we're all finding the tone together, really kind of like, okay, because you're world building. And, and I remember Amy Poehler used to call it starting a new, sh a brand new show, starting from scratch with, all kind of getting together and starting this thing. She called it being at the bottom of show mountain. Like you're at the <laughs> bottom, there is a sheer face right up and you have to get up there. Um, it's hard. And, and it, making severance was hard all the way through, but all the way through, I also was like, this should be hard. Look at what the fuck we're doing. I mean, this yeah. is crazy. Look at this 
these sets and look at the, these ideas and look at these actors. And the whole thing was an endeavor that was felt really, I felt it, it just felt like a great use of, of my time. It was so fulfilling and, and fun, but really hard. Huh. Tell me about the hard part. What was, I mean, I could tell it, I mean, I could see why it would be hard, but from your perspective, more interesting. Well, um, you know, there really, it took, it was about 10 months of shooting. Um, I didn't really end up having that much time off while we're, while we're making it. And I'm someone that likes to get there early and stay late and do as many takes as they'll let me. Um, I've never understood the, the idea, you know, and you see it a lot people just wanting to like get moving and get out of there and go home. And I certainly understand that, but I like trying it a bunch of times and trying it a bunch of ways and, and figuring it out. And I love, that's part of what I love about Ben is he's, the same way and so if it were up to the two of us we would we would just be there all day and all night but it was hard because these scenes were these scenes and these characters and these situations when you're you know now going back for season two we have this template um that we get to get back into and slide back into and and the world has now been established i mean it's always going to be a challenge but when you're just kind of starting, it's words on the page and you guys sitting in, you know, the actor sitting in front of the camera and it's just like, all right, let's give this a shot without knowing what it's exactly going to look like and how it's going to feel and sound. Um, and eventually we have to find that. We have to land on it and go with it because time's a, a ticking away. Um, so we need to pretty quickly decide on how it should look and feel and sound. Um, and the actors need to really land on something um, so we can start chipping away at this thing. Cause like I said, we're shooting the whole thing at once. So it was like this big nine episode schedule and we're just chipping away one, one scene at a time, jumping around doing it. And, um, and the scenes are, are beautifully written um, by Dan and, and the writers, but not always straightforward. Um, like a, a really great writing, you read one of these scenes and there's a variety of different ways you can approach it. Mm. A variety of different entrances and exit points that would make sense and would mean vastly different things if the behavior is this way or that way. Um, and the characters were, were uh, you know, Patricia and I are playing, for lack of a better term, two different characters. Uh, like I said, I'm, you know, kind of the same guy, but just different parts. She was playing different. She was playing a a wild character, and then that wild character acting like it's that wild character's invention of. So she was doing, we were both doing these, keeping these balls in the air that were always uh, challenging, but 
always fun and there's no one I would have rather done those scenes with. I mean, she's unbelievable. And then also, you know, there's John Turturro and yeah, he's amazing. Christopher Walken. I mean, Jesus yeah. Christ. Um, and then, you know, Zach Cherry and Britt Lauer and uh, Tramel Tillman, there's uh, Dyke and Lockman. There's so many great actors in it. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You know, how much did you get to see of what it would look like while you were doing it? And I mean, obviously, while you're on set, you can see what the set looks like and you're filming and you're imagining, but and I'm sure you're looking at, you know, I'm sure you're looking at some version of dailies or something, but, you know, was there a point where you got to really see something somewhat edited that felt like it really gave you a sense of like, here's what I'm aiming for while you're shooting? Or is it kind of all, is it all blind and you kind of end up at the end hoping that, that it's what you wanted? That's what I chose to do. I, I'm, I'm usually fine watching uh, myself as we go and, and all of that, but this, I, needed to just focus on getting it done and doing what I, what I felt was right. And what I, what Ben felt was right. And I just put all my trust in him and what didn't want to be keeping an eye on my performance. I wanted him to, and Afa McArdle, our other director, mm. I didn't want to have to have that my own eye on it. I wanted to focus on, on doing it and therefore I didn't want to second guess anything. So I, you know, he, he was offering to show me stuff as we went and I just wanted to wait till we were done shooting before I started watching cuts. So as soon as we finished shooting, I started watching uh, the episodes get assembled and, and all of that. But, you know, as we were going, yeah, I could go and look at the monitor and see what the shots look like and stuff. And so from the beginning, it was like, Oh, this is extraordinary. This is, <laughs> This is beautiful. Yeah, and I was asking Jessica Gagne you, is the is the director of photography, by the way. Who's uh, she did? I mean, the, it's incredible. The it's like a, I mean, I don't even want to describe it. It's just there's such a control to it, and yeah. it, I mean, there's just so many incredible shots. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm not gonna be able to describe it. I hope people will watch it if they haven't and and appreciate yeah. it. It's really just. Uh, and it, you know, it complements it complements all of the writing and the acting so well because there's like a sort of just a, a control and a sparseness to it that really like allows for all the writing and acting to come through. I think, but you know, yeah. in a super visual and incredible way. Now, well, I was asking about that because you had mentioned now that 
you know, perhaps for season two. And so I was sort of wondering about like, then how does that change your approach? And you sort of start talking about how does it change your approach to season two when now you've, you've sort of really seen this whole world that's been built and how it was edited and how it was put together and what your role is. In. And does that start, does that have an effect on how you approach it? Is it sort of like you want to watch it one time and then stop watching it to kind of go in and try and start over? Or, you know, like how does that really impact how you, you think about, you know, your work um, in season two? Um, that's a good question. I'm not sure how I'll, I'll do that because now I've obviously seen it all and everything. And, yeah. but I think I'm, I'm, you know, now that it's, you know, a, a known thing and I know how it, you know, it's, it's funny because we're up until the day it came out and people started reacting, we really had no idea if, if it would be just shrugged off or destroyed wow. critically or just no clue because it was like I said it was such a big swing you could see something like this just people you know or critics or whatever you just never know and yeah. so I'm still months later just in total relief mode because <sighs> I you know it was like the billboards went up I think in January and show came out february 18th so from the moment those billboards went up around town february 18th was like this freight train headed straight for me and there was nothing i could do to get out of the way or stop it and i was so scared of being exposed as being because you know i'd seen the episodes we all really liked them but like i said you just never know and we had no perspective on it thought it yeah. was cool and and good and stuff but you never Right. Never know. You never know how people are going to, you know, what fickle mood might be prevailing in culture, or, you know. You, yeah. And it, um, so anyway. And what if you really love them and then other people don't, right? It's like a thing, too. You might yeah. think it's like amazing and then you find out that maybe people like it, but not as much as you thought or whatever. And that's a whole sure. that's a whole thing. In I mean, own. there's the, the list of shows or movies or whatever that just came out at the wrong time culturally that were great and mm. weren't appreciated for for a while is is endless and so yeah anyway we i'm just still so relieved and happy that that it connected well on the other side of it is like the person like me who's watching it and it's like you know four seconds in it's like oh my god what is this this is incredible yeah. you know and there's that <laughs> cool. first like 10 minutes where like see that's great almost nothing happens right i mean these things are happening don't get me wrong but it's like this very slow pace of introducing you into this world and the whole time it's just like riveting you know even though yeah it's just very very measured so anyway well that's exciting that's that's a that's a that's a fun thing to hear how not the freight train part but the the post freight train part is <laughs> nice to hear that you that, that was well uh two two more things about this more more about winning the webby and being at the show did you have a good time at the show you seem like you're having a good time yeah it was great it was so much fun i I was really honored to to do it. Ben making fun of your hair was like a Ben sent still as a director uh, uh, um, came and presented it to you, and uh, we had you know tried to write up like a some script for him to intro, and he sent us back the intro he wanted to do, and it was this big long intro about your hair, you know. And I think for most people, had we gotten back back back, we would have been like, I don't know if we can really go with this, but we figured it was Ben Stiller, so great. Um, and, uh, yeah, Ben Stiller really loves your hair, it turns out. If there was, if there was a hair webby, he would probably have a shelf full. 
just too good. It's thick and dark and luxuriant and shiny and just perfect. I, I don't know why. He has a great head of hair. I, he does. I keep telling he absolutely him, like, does. He has nothing to to worry about. I'm I'm uh I mean listen, I'll I'll take the compliment, but he has he has terrific hair that I would I would take on any day of the week. Um, he does have good hair. But he has this animosity towards my hair and wanted to ruin it. And from the moment he kind of showed me the <laughs> the hair that he had in mind. I was like, okay, vanity is another thing. I'm just not going to pay attention to and just let go and just not worry about because Mark's not worried about it. I won't worry about it. So I went with the haircut. That was a real thing for him, the hair thing, huh? I thought maybe I mean, it was just to, like, you know, to, let me just. To a certain, I, I don't yeah. think he actually, you know, no. Yeah, he clearly was joking, but hair. He, yeah. <laughs> the, the hair, the haircut was a thing we sort of, um, landed on together and I felt it was, was, uh, you know, perfect for the character. Your speech at the Webby's, your five word speech was Supreme court, eat my shorts. Yes. Uh, great. I mean, it was a great speech. One of the, one of the, you know, I feel like I'm one of the people who can say this one of the best of that night for sure. Um, oh, yeah, it seems pretty, you know, I mean, it, it seems somewhat self-explanatory, but did you want to share a little bit about that, that speech and why that's meaningful? Well, to you? Yeah, I mean, the the Webbies were a few weeks ago now, but I think when the Webbies happened, it was two, three weeks removed from the sort of yeah. leak of that uh, Supreme Court's probably going to overturn Roe here and uh, coming up. And I think uh, women's health and women's reproductive freedom and uh, abortion rights are one of the most important issues of our day and the, the, the fact that we're even having to talk about it is absurd um and i think the the right in uh in american politics is uh is a menace anyway well that's i think that's you know i think from. for us at the webbies i think it's nice when we appreciate when people use their speech to to talk about you know talk about issues of of that are important in the day and that have real cultural impact that are you know it's great when things are fun and stuff but i think that it's really meaningful and part of the reason it's meaningful to us is that you know we're trying to recognize the best of the internet but we also know that like a lot of this stuff was you know a lot of the stuff that's like really ugly in today's society was is to some extent fueled by the internet and is the yeah is the other side of that coin you know and it's um you know i appreciated that that was acknowledged yeah that night too that the the sort of underbelly of the internet and the destructive power of the internet was acknowledged along with all the positive stuff. I thought that was important. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, um, you know, like I said, we try and get the, at the end of the day, we gotta, if we want great stuff to happen, you gotta recognize the great stuff. So other people want to do that too and be inspired by it. But yeah. you know, it is, in a, it's in a world where, so it's, 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 we appreciate when people, you know, bring that, um, another great part of the internet, which, um, you know, I, I, I feel, Feel like embarrassed to admit this but i actually i did and because i am i'm a fan and I've, I've followed your work i did not know that you had this podcast for so long i didn't realize it was since 2014 um oh yeah this but podcast. we haven't but you, i know you don't been, do it like every week and it's like you do it off and on yeah. and all that kind of stuff but still i i just didn't realize it was so long especially since um you know i i'm a huge fan of a lot, a lot of the music that you, oh, you really? talk about but yeah for sure 
Um, for people who don't know, maybe people do tell us a little bit about this, uh, the podcast that you've had, you've, uh, where you really sort of dive into some, I think your favorite bands like REM and Red Hot Chili Peppers and Talking Heads. Well, Scott Ackerman was, I just know him from, uh, from around kind of the comedy world in Los Angeles. We in 2014 started the YouTube podcast, you talking you two to me, cause we, we would kind of discovered that we were U2 fans since high school or junior high or whatever. And we would talk about U2 together and thought, you know, there's no one else that either of us gets to talk about U2 with. Um, and, and my, my wife and, and Scott's wife, Kulop as well, were sick of hearing about it. Um, <laughs> uh, so we thought, well, let's just start this podcast and talk about, like, go through their albums uh, episode by episode. And it ended up just being more of just a silly uh, podcast where we just have guests on and improvise dumb comedy for an hour and then talk about the band for a little while. It, it just ended up being this ridiculous thing that that got this little kind of following or fan base or whatever to the point where we ended up uh, having you two on a couple times and yeah. interviewing them, which was really fun uh, and really silly. Uh, and then did REM after that and then talking heads and then did I, an episode or two of the chili peppers. And I, I don't know if we're, if we're uh, going to do more, but we hadn't done one in a couple of years and we did one just recently and probably won't do another one for a couple of years, but it's always there and sometimes go and uh, make an episode. If something happens with uh, one of those bands, tell me a little bit about like how your fandom and approach to like, I mean, cause I think you have to be pretty devoted to a band to want to do a podcast about, you know, each of their albums with, you know, I mean, that's a mm -hmm. fair, it's a fair level. I mean, I, I know you're also like, you know, in, you know, you're a creative person. So that probably also is like a natural thing for you to do, but, um, and then having them on, you know, it's sort of like another level of, of really pushing through, but so how, you know, how does that, how does that influence, you have a lot of fans, how has your sort of fandom of like bands and stuff, how does that influence how you interact or think of fans or how, how you, how you, you know, your work, I guess. I, um, it's, it's a different thing with, with actors and, but I know with, with music and with bands, like REM was always my favorite when I was like in high school and stuff. And I think the thing that got me really kind of hooked on them was sort of the mystery of, of the, the whole thing, which now looking back and being in entertainment myself, I see as just a really well deployed media strategy that they had since the yeah. very beginning yeah. and they were really really um really good at uh at uh at how they kind of exposed themselves to the world and didn't uh were, they were really really careful about not um it, not showing too much, whether it was the, their process and how they make music or their music videos and not making them purposefully, not making them 
stupid or following any of the current trends so they wouldn't end up becoming overexposed, not printing their lyrics, which they ended up doing later on, um, all the way down to what kinds of photos they, they would use of themselves. It was all a really, really, um, I keep saying really, uh, uh, well, well, uh, well orchestrated, um, sort of, uh, publicity strategy. And I don't know how much of that was on purpose at the time, but I would imagine as they got bigger and bigger, it would have to be, um, it would have to be uh, meticulously sort of yeah. laid out. Um, also as it works probably right as it was working i'm sure that also played yeah right? for yeah. sure yeah and so as uh, an actor it's a completely different thing but whenever i feel like oh god if i were not me i would be sick of me like whenever i've kind of been pushing myself out there too much mm. not that i'm like a hugely famous person or anything but whenever i'm i get to that point i always figure oh i should probably stop stop for a while and and just pull back and and uh and see if i feel like i i have something i need to do or say in in, in a year um but um i think with a with a band it's it's a far kind of cooler occupation and, and there are so many more kind of cool ways to put yourself out there um and so i i kind of feel like it's a it's a different thing but certainly the things i i liked uh growing up about all the bands that i used to follow i'm sure it it, it influences influences me in, in some to some degree yeah it's kind of an interesting thing too because it was like a lot easier for bands to be mysterious back then you know like i think mm -hmm. the concept of like the mysterious rock star or mysterious band is probably like harder to pull off these days just because you know yeah. everything is about being sort of on every social platform and being ubiquitous that's right. and, being and streaming and all that um that's right just, some of it might just be that like there just i mean there just wasn't as much many ways to access or to sort of connect with them at all as there is now yeah i mean back then it was your album and your press kit and that's all you had to put out there and then you would do you know, press, uh, press, but you could have complete control over what yeah. what people have access to. Whereas now, that's far more difficult. How do you? Um, how in general do you like podcasting? I mean, you've been doing it a bunch, so I assume you must you must have yeah. some pretty um, good affinity for it. But what do, you, what do you think of it? It is fun. I, I, I part of why I like it, it or, is uh, I get to spend time with Scott, who's a great guy, and it's kind of how we hang out is mm. making the the show together. Um, but I don't have the patience that he does. He has a whole, a whole kind of podcast universe that he yeah. operates and is in charge of, and, uh, he's incredible at it. I get pretty antsy after a couple hours of uh, sitting and talking and I get sick of hearing my, my own voice and all of that. I don't have quite the, the, the patience, um, that I think is required to, to make a great podcast and after a couple of weeks i i always feel like i want to take like a couple months off <laughs> well i mean i think it's um your podcast i think really speaks to some of the the greatness of the medium in that 
you know, that the first ones are from like 2014. They're, they're still there. They're like timeless. Yeah. They're, you're, you, you were both like funny and great and interesting talking about classic albums that are still funny and they're funny. They're still great to listen to and great to hear you talk about. And I mean, I don't know if they'll, hopefully they'll always be there, but I think it's just, uh, you know, it's, it has a certain timelessness, which I think, you know, of course there's podcasts that are about like last night's Celtics games and stuff. And those will sort of like, you know, disappear, but yeah, there's also these types that what you're doing, which are really about things that about art and stuff that will last forever. And so it's, it's really great. It's great. Um, so Oh, Good thanks. stuff. Yeah, I do yeah. love that. There's something about something for everyone in the podcast realm. Everyone can find something they're interested in. It's ultra specific, and that's that's great. Podcasts are everything, as we like to say. Well, Adam Scott, it's been great to have you. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. Congrats on the the best actor, Webby. Um, so fun to have you at the show, and uh, it was great to be there. I I can't wait to get the actual award too. I'm I'm really excited. They're sending it in the mail, and I'm, I'm thrilled. I, it was a real honor to uh, to be there. So thank you. I want to say a huge thank you to Adam Scott for stopping by the Webby Podcast. It's such a pleasure to sit down with a Webby Special Achievement winner, and we are honored to have him at the show this year as well. He has also fulfilled our lifelong dream here at the Webby Podcast of interviewing someone from the acapella Sweet Child of Mine sequence of Step Brothers. We are so grateful for that. Thank you, Adam. Make sure to watch Adam and Severance on Apple TV+. It's absolutely been one of my must-watch series. You will, I am sure, love it. For more information about the Webby Awards, please visit us at webbyawards.com or find us on most social platforms at The Webby Awards. If you like our podcast, we'd be so grateful if you took a moment to give us a rating or review. It really helps other listeners find our show. You can reach me on social at DMDLikes. Our editor is Kate Mishkin. Our editorial lead is Jordana Jarrett. Our producer is Cecilia Betzel. Music is Poddington Bear. Claire Graves is our president. And this is the Webby Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.